the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today we will hear a classic message from our archives that we believe will be a blessing to you and give you principles to live big in Christ. So our prayer is that this broadcast equips you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. Remember to hit the notification bell on YouTube to get this teaching and worship with us live each week. Let's join Bishop Greer for this classic teaching. We're going to learn some things today. James chapter 5 and verse 13. Well, today we're going to talk about, I'm so glad that we worshiped the way we did, because we're going to talk about the power of passionate prayer. The power of passionate prayer. James says by the Holy Spirit, is anyone among you suffering? All of us will go through seasons of hurt and seasons pain. Life is a, is a contact sport. And sometimes it really, really hurts. You see, when you're hurting, it's not that God's necessarily punishing you. He's, he's just preparing you. And I'm learning that when, when life hurts the most, to, to, to trust this plan over my pain. And, and in moments like this, you have to trust God's plan over his, his pain. Michelle. Is anyone among you suffering? This is what you got to do. Let him pray. When life is hard, bring it to God. But then he says, is anyone cheerful? Because the devil can't get us all at the same time. Right? Let him sing Psalms. When life is hard, we bring it to God, but when life is good, we bring it to God. Abraham Lincoln said, and I I say this often, that he he says that nearly all people can withstand some level of of adversity. But if you really want to test a person's character, give them a little bit of success. So says, anyone cheerful dealing with a little bit of success? Let him sing Psalms. The original... Greek there, it doesn't really just denote singing, it denotes public singing. It denotes singing with a a, a band in public worship. And here's the question, will you still come to church when your bills are paid? Will you still come to church when your love life is on track? Will you still come to church when you have a slew of comfortable options instead of? 
And then he continues, he says, is, is anyone among you sick? So in his congregation, he had people that were suffering, people that were having high moments, but he also had those that were, were, were sick. And, and we see here that Christians will not only face good times and, and, and bad times, but we will also at times face physical illness. But God misses nothing in his plan. He said, if that's the case, this is what I want you to do. Let them call for the elders, plural. Doesn't mean it has to be bishop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There too many of you to always be bishop, all right? Just had to put a word in for that. But on the breakthrough Sundays, I am here and I am laying hands till I'm tired. Let them call for the elders of the church. So when we're, we're, we're hurting physically, we, we need people who know God's word and people who love us. And we need them to, to pray a prayer of agreement over us. He said, and let them pray over them, uh, uh, anointing them with oil. Watch this. In the name of the Lord. Now, the oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit, but it's really believing in the name that heals. In Exodus 5 and 15 and 26, the Bible says, God is... Every time God uses the name Jehovah, he adds a descriptive because people didn't know who he was yet. Now, we, we're looking back. We've already seen Jesus, and we, we've had all these Bible lessons and the rest. But as the Bible was just being recorded, and people didn't exactly know who God was. So he would say, I'm Jehovah uh, Jireh. I'm the God that will provide for you. I'm Jehovah Nisi. I'm, I'm the God that will be your banner in times of, of war and battle. But here he says, I am, not, not just as, as something I do, I am Jehovah what? Rophe, the Lord who what? Heals. So healing is not just what God does. Pay attention. It's who he is. To deny healing is to deny God. So why do we still die? Why? why? If God is a healer, why do we die? Well, I want to do something with your perspective here. You know, death is really healing for the believer. The Bible teaches that when we lay this body down and we receive resurrected bodies, they will be infinite, indestructible, identifiable, and inimitable. We will be full of energy, enthusiasm, no more pain, no more arthritis. No more dialysis. Capable and never dreamed of and extraordinary things. My Bible says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Meaning our future is so bright you have to squint to see it. There's stuff out there that God can't even put in the book. There aren't words to describe it. All we know is that when Jesus had his resurrected body, he was identifiable. They knew it was him, typically. We know that he ate bread. He knew he could be touched and felt. The nature of that body is awesome. And basically all that happens when we die is we lay this body down in order to pick the next one up. So... Death is not God's healing power failing. Come on. 
It's God's healing power just beginning. Just beginning. Psalms 90 and 10, Moses said this. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if, by reason of strength, meaning you're just a strong person, you'll live, you know, to to 80 years old. So most of us live to to 70, and and that's actually what's what's recorded in in, in the averages in the U.S. nowadays. And and some of us, by reason of a a lot of different things, we're living now into our 80s. But I I expect, by the way, to to live into my 90s. So y'all are going to expect me to be around for a minute. To, to get on your nerves just a little bit longer. Yet their best, or the, your, their boast, forgive me, is only labor and sorrow. God has designed this life so that we will all age out at some point. Now, if it was perfect, he'd keep us in this thing. No, you didn't catch that. It's when everything's perfect, that's when we go on eternally and infinitely. But he said, you know what, I'm going to, because it's, it's, it's so bad down there, I'm going to, as a mercy, I'm going to let the devil have his last thing. And I'm going to let all my, 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 my people age out until I come. Why? Because even our best years are like the pain of childbirth compared to all that God has in store for us. He said, for it is soon our lives cut off, and watch this, and we fly away. In that great getting up morning, fare ye well, fare ye well. This past week, Mama Joyce went on to her reward, and uh, she was ready to go. My wife told me, tell me if this is correct. That she woke up in the morning saying, I'm still here. She was trying to let this thing go. And she wake up disappointed. I'm still here. I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I will fly away. James 5 and 15. In the prayer of faith will save the sick. A prayer prayed in faith, though, is not believing that God will do it. That's important. That's the way your last pastor taught you how to pray, but it's not how the Bible taught you to pray. Believing or or a faith-filled prayer is believing that at the cross he already did it. So when I go to God, I'm saying, listen, Lord, I'm not saying, Lord, would would you please find it in your heart? I'm saying, Lord, you already found it in your heart. When he took that beating, when he hung high on that cross, he paid the penalty not only for my my sin, but my my, my sickness. And Lord, I plan to be here on earth until I fulfill my purpose. Not a second longer, not a second shorter. Jesus was finished at 33. Not a second longer, not a second shorter. But I think I'm going to be here for a while because I have some grandkids to torture. Now, let me be careful what I say. They're not here yet. If you're watching, boys, 
I have the next generation to pray for. I'll be old in my room talking about, hey, baby. The pastor be right now. I feel something I got to pray for. Just like I do today, I'm going to be doing the same thing, praying for the next generation. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord, when you pray in faith, though, believing that he already did it. And the Lord will raise him up. Why? Not because we deserve it, but because it's who he is. And it's just what he does. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, notice the word if here. It's important. All sickness is not due to personal sin. So, so be careful about coming to unfair conclusions about other people. And being so spooky and super spiritual and pointing out people's stuff. You don't know. You say, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. All the Bible is saying is that when we finally get on the same page with God about our sins and about our life, it breaks the devil's power and it releases God's power in a fresh measure in our lives. Now, here's the verse, though, I wanted to get to today. I just wanted to establish context before we got here. In the midst of all that was said, he says this, the effective fervent. Now, in the original language, the the two terms translate effective fervent are are, are one single word. And it's speaking of a spirit-inspired, inward-shaped, gut-level, passionate prayer or appeal. In fact, it, it, it ends here. It adds is the effective ferment, but then it adds the term that's typically translated supplication, and it's prayer here. The effective fervent what? Prayer. Now, really, supplication. What, what is a supplication? Now, we, we pray, and, and we should pray, and we pray the prayer of faith, and, and we do that, that. That's great. But supplication is a different type of, of prayer. When you see it in the Bible, mark it because it's an important type of prayer. Supplication is, 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 is often that I'm, I'm tied up like a knot on the inside unless God moves on my behalf. This type of prayer has an urgency and, and a force to it that's really hard to de- de- describe. And, and I, I know you guys think I preach, but, but what you may not realize, I pray more than I preach. And I'll find myself during the course of feeling something deep down on the inside. It'll grab me in the gut. And your face will pop up. Sometimes I don't even know your name. A situation will pop up. And I sense an urgency. I can't explain. I got to pull away. My, 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 my face changes. Everything about my demeanor praises because I'm moving into supplication. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then there's, there's something urgent happening. And, and I wish that pastors would learn more than how to preach but learn how to pray. Because if we would learn how to pray. In fact, if we would learn how to pray. Our situations would be covered so much better. But unless you've ever really prayed a prayer that it felt like your life was dependent on God hearing it, you won't understand this type of prayer. And what I believe God is saying, he wants to pour out a spirit of supplication, a spirit of prayer on this congregation. 
But this type of prayer cannot be prayed without passion. It's the effective, fervent supplication. Charles Spurgeon said, I, I don't think the devil cares how many churches we build if only lukewarm preachers and people are in them. And what God wants to do is light a fire in your heart. He wants to scream on the inside until you begin to sense it and you, you, you begin to yell out and call out with the same intensity that God feels for that need. And I don't even know if it could be the same, but it can be close. We'd probably bust if we desired the best for us as much as God did. The MSG Bible reads 5 and 16 this way. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful and to be reckoned with. Mm. How many of y'all want to be somebody to be reckoned with spiritually? So put your desire to preach on the side and put out front, Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Elijah was a man. In fact, the Bible is a very honest book. It, it, it talks about the good things about its, its, its leaders and God's children, but also the, the bad things. And, and Elijah was a very, very flawed individual. He suffered from bouts of depression. He, he, he got angry and despondent. At times he was fearful. He even had some abandonment issues. He had lots of things going on. But God, this is important, because the example that he uses for fervent effectual prayer is Elijah. Meaning if you want to know how to pray this thing to get God to respond, you got to go back to this guy. And God didn't answer this guy because he was perfect. Or because he was great. But largely because he was passionate. The most powerful weapon on earth is a soul on fire. The thing the devil fears the most is you catching on fire for your God, his truth, and his word. He said, listen, I want to teach you all how to pray. But immediately you're going to say, but he was a prophet. Oh, immediately you say, but he was a better man. He said, no, no, no. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. He was one of us. But he prayed. Not a formulaic prayer. Not a disengaged, yawning prayer. But he let God's word work into his heart. Until he actually sensed the very sentiments of the divine. It's one thing to pray in your head. It's another thing to pray from your heart. I often pray from my head. And many times God even answers those prayers. But supplication is those moments when it comes down from deep within And he didn't just pray a prayer and fall asleep. 
He prayed earnestly. The word translated earnestly is really a Hebraism. It's, it's, it's a, it was, you know, just like we have slang, the Hebrews had Hebraisms. and It's Hebrew slang, if you will. And, and, and this word earnestly literally means, literally, actually, this is the, the, the Greek, is in praying he prayed. And we didn't know how to translate that, so we said earnestly. So today we would say, and he prayed a strong prayer. Elijah understood that desperate times call for desperate measures. So if we would do some real praying in our praying, if we would do some real praying in our praying, if we would pray in our praying, not that prayer, and I'm off, but if we would really pray in our praying, we will get results like Elijah. He prayed earnestly. He dug in. And he, he prayed a prayer that actually came from his spiritual diaphragm. Diaphragm is, is that membrane, the muscle, if you will, that, that's right at the bottom of, 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 of the lungs, but right above the stomach. You know, the reason why Babies can cry so long and not lose their voices and not get tired. Isn't that amazing? The reason is because they cry from their diaphragm. They cry from their real voice. Not their professional voice. Not their inside voice even. They don't care where they are. Not their King James voice, thou and thee. You ever see a baby cry, thou thee? Thou father, please? No. But a baby cries from their real voice. So when is the last time you prayed from your spiritual diaphragm? And you projected your real voice up to heaven. He prayed earnestly and specifically that it would not rain. If you don't like the climate and the environment that you're living in, pray until you really pray. Did anybody hear what I just said? Now, if you're like me, you pray. But I know I haven't really prayed because I have something to do. I don't really want to go there. I don't want to dig that deep. But Elijah prayed until he prayed. And what's interesting about us, often we got to get pushed up against the wall before we pray until we pray. But I'm learning to just take a little bit of time. And in all my busyness, if I would pray until I pray, I might be up against the wall just a little bit less. Leviticus 26 and 18, here's the key. Elijah was actually praying the word of God, the revealed will of the Father. And after all this, after all my warnings, the Bible is saying, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Anybody happy we are in the new covenant? (laughs) 
Jesus. Listen, it's not just a blank page between the old covenant and the new covenant. There's the Jesus Christ in the cross. It's not lambs and, and sheep anymore. All those types have been fulfilled. And our reality is a little different on the other side of that contract. People say weird things like God changed or it's a different God in the New Testament, New Covenant. No, it's just a different covenant. You know, when my wife and I were dating, we had one level of agreement. When we got married, we had a completely another level of agreement. You hear what I'm saying? We didn't change. Our covenant changed. And all that changed. God's the same. But he was going through all those covenants, the Noahic covenant, the Adamic covenant, all those covenants to get to the covenant in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if you, if you don't answer, listen to my warnings, I, I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. This is another Hebraism, a Hebrew way of saying God will stop the rain. So it's already written in the word, if, if God's people go sideways long enough, despite all the warnings, God was going to make it so it wouldn't rain. So Elijah got passionate about the word of God and said, Lord, you said in your word. And God, people are going on like you don't matter and you don't count. No, Lord, I'm going to seek you until your promise is fulfilled. And guess what? It didn't happen until somebody prayed. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more. That's all for today. Until next time, live big. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.